And hello, everybody, and welcome inside the Bill Austin Radio Studios. It is Friday, October 8th, and it's 1 o'clock p.m. I'm Gareth Kwok. I'm Edwin Press. And I'm Miller McKinney. And this is DTP. Here is the planet's ultimate game. There may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses. What can happen today, we wonder. Yes, indeed, is dissecting the pitch here live from downtown Phoenix here at the Bill Austin Radio Studios here on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Hello, everybody. Gareth Kwok alongside my co-host Edwin Perez and Miller McKinney. Gentlemen, hope you guys had a good week. I'm back off the shelf. I know I, I had to. I ran into some disciplinary issues last Absolutely. week, so uh, I had to be uh, taught a lesson. But uh, how are we both doing today? I agree. I feel like you should take off your uh, your hat and glasses. We got a great hour of content coming. <laughs> it feels like you're about to take off over here. Me and Miller were discussing it. We no have worries. a lot to come. We have a lot to come. So we want you know you and our listeners to get comfortable because we have a lot to come. So I'm excited to have the full squad back. I think that's something me and Miller discussed right before. <laughs> My favorite part of the week is always game day, you know. So yeah. here we are. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the preparation has, uh, has led to this very day, right, Miller? Absolutely. All the preparation, <laughs> all these hard hours, the blood, sweat, and tears that no one can see or feel well, have always been put in hours before this happened. So really glad that we can finally let it loose, you know? Well, I got to say, uh, I, I definitely learned my lesson. Got to keep the, the boot down, you know, whenever making a challenge. But, uh, you know, it's it was a very entertaining week of football. And, and, and shout out to Jerry Walker out there, too, for filling in for the past couple of weeks. Back for to back. back to back. I know he was on double duty the last couple couple of weeks he was he was uh he really came in as a super sub but we got the the squad back and let's dive in immediately with some international break talk and i know it's uh, the the club football stuff is a bit on pause for right now but international break lots of interesting stuff going on uefa nations league we got combat ball world cup qualifying the african world cup qualifiers and let's not forget about the u.s men's national team and the Concacaf world cup qualifiers but first let's dive right into the uefa Nations League semifinals. It's wrapping up this weekend and uh, this past week. The semifinals were held in Europe. And let's start off with the first game, France versus Belgium. We were talking about this game a little bit earlier, and I think we bo- all of us can agree we, didn't, we couldn't believe the way that France came back in this one. 3-2 come from behind victory for the French. Teo Hernandez with the game winner in the 90th minute, and it, it just seemed like, I think just more the impressive part here, I'll start with you, Miller, but just France able to not only they were down 2-0 at halftime, I think just the way they were able to come back and manufacture the goals to eventually win. Yeah, I it was an interesting game because you know if you looked at it from a betting standpoint, which is like a standpoint and a point of view that I think people are now starting to look at things like a sport, especially sports in general, um, of how outcomes are going to be. It really makes you kind of wonder what really is going to happen, what the outcome is going to be. And I think that if you looked at this game, this is a game that 
could have gone anyway. One, it, this is you know a matchup like the other matchup that we're going to talk about next as well. It's always tough to tell what the outcome is going to be, who's going to be on form, who's not, who's going to play. Um, and when you saw this Belgium team come out, they looked very strong. I feel like they always do. You know, they're always a really good first half team. But the the thing that I'm seeing more and more of is that they're incapable of finishing big games. And this is another example of that. So obviously. When it was 2-0 Belgium, you know, I was ready to turn the TV off because, you know, this is our job and this is what we do. I d- didn't do that because, you know, I like to watch anyway. And I I kind of thought, I was like, you know, maybe it'll look really good if France can get one and, you know, at least look like they were in the game. And they came out in that second half, man, and just completely different. I'm not sure if it was a halftime talk by Didier Deschamps or <laughs> if the boys just had a little bit more Gatorade at halftime, but the they sp- came out and they the, played the really special well. Stu- the special stuff, right? Yeah, the secret, the secret sauce. <laughs> yep. um, but I, I couldn't – You, it, it was honestly priceless to see the look on the Belgian players' faces in the 90th minute <laughs> when France scored the third goal. It was like, oh, my God, it's really happened. So I don't know. I, I think that – this is one of those games that France, they seem to keep getting barely by. You know, they're one of those teams that they're the favorites to win a lot of different tournaments that they play in. And they, a lot of the times it seems like they sneak out with results, and, and that's what they did this time. Absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't get the pleasure to watch this game because when I saw it, it was 2-0 Belgium, and I said, why do I turn that on then, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest Belgium guy because obviously they knocked out Brazil in the most previous World Cup, so I still have that in, in my heart. But um, this this France team is, as, as Miller says, it hasn't been very convincing as of late, and that continues in the Euros. You know, anyone who watched the Euros can see that this France team got in situations against smaller teams that they would use to put out with ease. You know, back then we used to see scorelines of 4-0, Kylian Mbappe brace at least, Griezmann get on the board, and someone else on that team. Now it seems like France has to get the spectacular goal to even win a game. You know, they had to make a goal that you can't rely on often. You know, they they don't get the easy goal or like a, a beautiful setup play or you know the passes that sets up, sets up guys it had to be tail hernandez from an outside shot that i mean credit to him great finish but i don't think he does that on every game every daily basis because that's not what he does you know so i mean it is great for them to get the result i think it's huge for them to get back in this game i think that's gonna uh set the momentum for them moving forward but the question now remains, you're, you're going to go against a Spain squad who I think has been, been impressive even in the Euros. You know, they out, outplayed everyone's, you know, expectations. They're a good squad that can lean on each other's performance. Like, that's not one individual. That's a whole Spain squad. Can that France team, which seems like it's a lot of individuals, beat a full Spain squad? And speaking about Spain, let's dive into that. Second match of the semifinals, Spain versus Italy. It's going to be two teams that both were both have high expectations for the Euros, and uh, they're going to get their opportunity here in the UEFA Nations League final. But let's dive in. Italy versus Spain, another really good matchup that kind of changed the tide a little bit once Leonardo Bonucci got the red card in the 42nd minute. But Ferran Torres, I, I got a nugget for you guys. Ferran Torres has been just superb in the Nations League. He has six goals in seven matches. And yeah, yeah Miller, Miller, I know, right? I was surprised when I saw that too. He's been awesome. Oh, 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 Oyarzabal with a nice assist. Uh, 
Uh, this is a Spain team, when that you talked about, that they look really good. They got a lot of young guys now. The the team is starting to come into a bit of its own now, uh, as it kind of heads into this next generation of players. It looks like the you know the old Spain. You know the old Spain were like. Yes, they had like amazing talents, but they had like just a great squad, and that's what won them that World Cup that that year. You know that great Spain run was not you know they had the individuals that can make it and can carry the team, but they decided it's more about the team. You know, you look at this team. I mean, it's not going to be the most appealing names to everyone. You know, everyone's going to want to watch a Fra- uh, France with a you know Kylian Mbappe and all that. Who's going to watch a, a Spain team per se with a Laporte, Alonso, Spiliqueta, Torres? I mean, they're good players, but you know, Sergio Biscuits, but like they're good players, but it's not the most appealing team. But what they do so well is work as a, as a group. And that's, I think, you know, a testament to Luis Enrique. I mean, he knows what, what it takes to be a, a Spanish football manager. You know, he knows how to make that team work. I mean, he gets the best out of his youth. I mean, you look at players like Gavi. I mean, he's what, I believe 17, about to be 18. Uh, and he's a Barcelona young boy. I mean, those, he knows how to get them to perform at their best. So it's just it's just an exciting team to watch. And, you know, for Italy, I just don't think it was their game. I mean, you look at it. I mean, the red card, you mentioned it. It changed the game. But even before then, Spain scored before it and was kind of setting the tone. Obviously, the red card hurt Italy, and it seemed like they were going to track back and everything. But for Spain to come out there and, and to do what they did, I think it's impressive and just a testament that that year run wasn't a fluke, and that's going to be a team to watch in the future. You know, I think you know. I I always tell him. I told Miller last time jokingly, like if I were to pick someone in the next Euros, it was probably going to be Spain because of how good they you looked in the last Euros and how young they are. Yeah, I think the most important part of this match is uh, the consequences for Italy because you know this is they had a thirty-seven match unbeaten streak, which is oh my god. 37 matches. That's a lot That's of games. That's a lot of games, man. And that goes back to, I think it's 2018, 2019. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been a few years since they've lost. <laughs> That's unbelievable, you know? And so after playing how they did in the Euros, I think it would have been really interesting to see them win this game and then what they were going to do against France. And if they had beaten France, you know, to win the Nations League – then you got to think that next year, walking into the World Cup, that they're going to be the favorite. Mm-hmm. And now I think that that puts that really into question because, you know, and now with this loss, you know, the streak is gone. They've shown that they can be beaten by another pretty good team. That I think it's going to be shaking out the way it usually shakes out for next year, which means that, you know, the Frances and the Belgiums and the Englands of the world are going to be the favorites again. You know they'll probably slide Brazil and Argentina in there somewhere just because of, you know, how they've played recently. But I don't know. I thought it would have really been interesting to see if Italy could extend their run at the top for a while, and they just couldn't do it. I mean, keep in mind, this is an Italy team that uh, they've done like a complete 180 from when they didn't qualify from the World Cup in 2018, and now Euro 2020 champs and... 37 match on Bean Street. I mean, I think that's still something to keep your head up high about um, after even after the loss to Spain. But I want you boys to now g- give your predictions for what should be a really fun final on Sunday morning here in the Valley. France versus Spain. Uh, that will be the final matchup of the UEFA Nations League. There's some prize money to be awarded at the end of all this. So who's taking home the trophy? France versus Spain on Sunday. It's, I feel like it's always hard to pick against France because they have so much individual talent and that they should be able to win those games, especially with p- people like Kylian Mbappe and all that. But, I mean, solely off of, you know, the team I enjoy watching, the team that 
I believe are in better form and can work as better as a unit. I got, I, I'm going with Spain. I know that's probably a pick that's not going to be popular. Or I know everyone and their mom's probably going to pick France, especially after you know, coming back against Belgium and they get, they have the momentum in that sense. But I, I like what Spain's doing. You can't take away that it, they beat an Italy team that was on such good form and all that, and they have so many players that, as you mentioned, are doing great. You know, pre, you know, shout out to your Nugget. You know, it was a thank you. It was a crispy <laughs> uh, McDonald's okay. Nugget that you enjoy <laughs> all right, uh, all right. every day. But You're yeah. making me hungry. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just gotta go with Spain. Uh, uh, I know Miller might go against me because I know he's a big France kind of guy, but I gotta go with the Spain. He loves his France. Huge France kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to take France, <laughs> no surprise, but I think that this game is going to be really close. Yeah. I think it's going to be really close. I think that, um, I think that it's definitely going to go past the 90 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I extra, that, little extra time action. Yeah. I think both teams are capable of scoring a goal. I think they will, but I am, I'm betting on extra time. Uh, All right. For this game, because like kind of like kind of like Edwin said, I you know France they they do have the momentum coming into this game from how they just came back, but at the same time, it it's probably from what we've seen in the past few games, it's going to be a France that starts slow and doesn't finish the chances that they should, and like maybe they get one here or there, and then Spain, you know, they play their game and they get one. But I don't think either of these teams are capable to dominate or play better than the other right now. Give the people what they want, right? Everybody seems like they want a little overtime action, extra time action in these, you know, these European finals, right? Yeah, a little bit of Gareth Nuggets too. <laughs> you can get them. Uh, you can get no them Nuggets. I don't want it. Either. I don't want it. You I don't want it. <laughs> only five ninety nine. Six. You get them in the six count. You know. You get them Gareth Nuggets. Uh, they, nugget, eh? Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Hey, you know, homemade. We wouldn't homemade. want that. All, yeah. Yeah. All I'm saying is in this next segment we're talking about of South American football. Gareth gave me a little nugget this morning too. <laughs> really? He's on a nugget yeah. run today. Before, I, hey, before we hear about your about your other nugget, I have to know what kind of size are you eating with these nuggets, Gary? Ooh, I think I think we got to go a little Polynesian oh, out here. I love that answer. Uh, thank you. Come on, answer. man. Great minds think alike, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and speaking about nuggets and uh, about <laughs> about the uh, international break as we continue here on Dissecting the Pitch, Gareth Kwok, Edwin Perez, Miller McKinney here on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Let's talk a little comedy ball World Cup qualifying, sort of Edwin's Avenue, because it's it's one of his uh, his favorite teams that are doing well right now. Can't complain Absolutely. too much. Brazil right now, as we take a look at the uh, look at the table update right now in the FIFA World Cup qualifiers in the comedy ball section. Brazil is nine and zero. They have not drawn. They have not lost. They got twenty seven points. Meanwhile, Argentina in second. They only have five wins, but they have four draws. They have not lost a game yet. Hmm. Ecuador is a bit of a surprise team. They're in third right now. They have five wins, only one draw, but four losses. They got 16 points. And then Uruguay in fourth, uh, tied with Ecuador with 16 points. And then Colombia right now, sort of on the outside looking in. They're in fifth with 14 points. And then rounding out the final five teams, Paraguay, Peru, Chile, Bolivia, and Venezuela. was a little bit surprised to see Chile has sort of been on the on the downswing the last couple of years. So, And that seems like it has continued. But uh, Edwin, I'll start off with you. Your, your takeaways when you see and take a look at this table right now. you got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, a lot of nuggets in there by Garrett Clark. But, uh, <laughs> okay, you, all right. <laughs> when you look at it, I mean, you made a great couple points. I mean, this Chile team is a team that you don't fear. You know, back in the day, 
you you kind of were scared to play the Chile because you had the good Alexi Sanchez, Medel, uh, Medel, and you know they had they had some yeah, players. Yeah, they had some dogs back there. Basically, <laughs> you know you you don't want to play Chile. I mean, they're not the most impressive team, but they were hard to play. But now, I mean, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who loves Colombia, and uh, we say, listen, you want to face Chile now. Like this, it's, it's a win. You know, I think you're more scared of Ecuador than than Chile, and that speaks a lot of volumes, oh, wow. which is. It shows kind of the downfall of it, but Colombia, I think they're fine. I they started off terribly in this, you know, World Cup qualifiers, you know. But I mean, if you look at their Copa America and what they did, I mean, they drew against a good team in Uruguay, um, so they're gonna figure it out. Obviously, it's just early on in the qualifiers, you know. They they lost, I believe it was six one to Ecuador or something like that. So obviously, it was just a it was just a result that you know doesn't speak to the talent that Colombia is, but. They'll, back, they'll bounce back with talents like Diaz, who's, you know, really great for Colombia and, and always performs for them. Cuadrado, and, you know, they kind of ex- exiled James Rodriguez, so they're they're trying to figure <laughs> out their identity. But I think the biggest thing when you look at the South American uh, World Cup qualifier is Brazil. You know, that's always going to be the headline. Everyone says, are they for real? Because they always run this Colombia World Cup qualifying. They're always coming out as the favorites. As and, they should. And as they should. You know, and that's the thing for me is that, yes, they're doing great in the qualifying, but it's all about what happens in the World Cup. You can do all you want in the in a qualifying, but you gotta you gotta perform when it needs to be, and this is what's the talent. Uh, this is what Brazil needs, and that means Chite, uh, which is you know the way you say in Portuguese, from what I heard, um, he needs to drop his like his ego of where he thinks some players are better because you know he he always believes that Fred is you know the best midfielder for some reason, <laughs> which he, Miller can say he's, he can attest that he's definitely not. Oh, our manager thinks the same thing, <laughs> and and it, and it pisses me off. So like. He needs to realize that this team needs kind of speed. They need they need to go back to what Brazil does well, and you know they t- they challenge you with their skills and their speed. They come at you and can create goals like no other, even you know when they're behind. So you know when people like Rafinha came in, Vinicius Junior came in, and Anthony came in, that team looked very different, and that's when they succeeded because they were behind against Venezuela. So they need to focus on that, and, and she did, needs to realize that. He needs to go unconventional a little bit. Maybe play Lucas Paqueta on a false nine, you know, because that that works. And play Neymar and Rafinha on the wings because both of those guys can be threatening. So I think this Brazil team is very good. They just need Chite to understand what's going on with the squad, which is what they're doing this World Cup qualifier. And come World Cup time, they should be one of the favorites, if not at least make a run to the semifinals, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that, you know, the top two, obviously in the standings are – pretty straightforward that's pretty much what you expect so you expect brazil to go in and blow everybody away and this kind of gameplay and argentina you expect them to also be successful but obviously in the past as well they haven't always been the number one team they always don't get the results that people think that they deserve because they think that they should be on par with brazil but you know when you look at the skills standpoint and the talent standpoint they're just they're not up to par quite yet and who knows if they ever will be but ecuador i think is a really big surprise at three um love to see that though you know you love to see some of the smaller teams getting their results playing really well and kind of shaking things up for everybody else because it makes it a lot more interesting but um yeah i think that a team that really kind of surprised me right now is peru you know i think that peru in the past few years especially when they have had international breaks have taken a lot of 
opportunities and done really well with them. And this past, you know, half year or so, they've really kind of fallen off, which kind of makes me wonder if, you know, that run that they had was over because they played really well for a while and they got into some big games. And I thought that, you know, maybe they could be another one of those teams and play where in Ecuador is right now. But obviously they're not doing that. Um, and, you know, the rest, I think I have to agree with Edwin. You know, he's, he's our South American expert in this room <laughs> behind the glass window. So He is. Shout out to Antonio Valencia, too. I'm sure he's been uh, – he's probably watching his Ecuador team and, uh, and rooting them on, you know, former nice. Man- Manchester United boy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to give you a little nugget. I think. There you He's go. trying to oh, give okay. you a nugget. Right. En- enough nuggets here. That, right? that nugget was a little too cold uh, enough okay. for Miller to right. enjoy. <laughs> but, uh, Edwin, I want to look at the, the Brazil schedule, though, this week a little bit. They do face some competition. They got to mm-hmm. face Colombia on Sunday, and then they got to face uh, Uruguay on uh, next Thursday. Those are the next two before then they return back to club action. So, uh, what do you see? Colombia, Uruguay, those are the two at least mid-tier teams that could perhaps give Brazil a little bit more of a competition than the other ones. They should want the smoke, as, as we <laughs> love to say. But uh, I think this will be the real test where we can actually see where, what Brazil's about because, again, winning against a team that you should win, you know, as they did recently, that, that says something. But Uruguay and Colombia are supposed to be, you know, one of those top top four teams in South America that goes to the World Cup with you guys. So you got to test your level. And you got to see what roster you want to do. And I think that's going to be the important thing for Chita to see is that who's going to be successful against these mid to top teams and what's it going to look like for us to success? Because Neymar wasn't in this last match, but he will be in the, in the upcoming. Casemiro is not going to be on this squad because, you know, you do some issues over there, but he'll be back, you know, afterwards in the future one. So this is going to be a real testament to see where Brazil is actually leveled at and who's the squad that Brazil is going to start because I think there's so many question marks who she should bring on bench because Brazil is so talented that it seems like every time she does a call-up, he always misses out. You know, fans are complaining, fans are calling for his head because, oh, there should be this player instead of this player. So it's very hard. So this is going to be the time where Chite lets his player prove to him who should be uh, called up, you know, on on every week. And I think this is going to be a big test that, as you said, it, it's it's bigger than facing a Venezuela team, bigger than facing an Ecuador, Ecuador team. Those are the Common Ball World Cup qualifiers. Gareth Kwok, Evan Perez, Miller McKinney here on Dissecting the Pitch. Before we go to break, though, here, did you guys see African World Cup qualifiers? Did you get this? Was actually last night or yesterday in uh, Nigeria in Lagos? Central African Republic defeated Nigeria 1 0 at the death, literally at the 90th minute. They beat Nigeria for its first win. In two years, since 2019, and lots of people and pundits are calling this Central African Republic's biggest win in team history. I just wanted to just see if you guys saw that because that was Nigeria is the is the powerhouse there in those World Cup qualifiers, and to have a team like Central African Republic beat them on their own home turf, I think is I think that's a big deal. Absolutely, I think. A lot of these pundits probably don't know too well what Central Africa Republic's history is, you know? <laughs> not, not to take <laughs> anything away from them, but, I mean, when you defeat a team like Nigeria, that's just a big thing. So, of course, you're going to call it that. Um, and it, it should be celebrated, you know? I, I think that the biggest thing for me is just the after that game, Nigeria just came up with excuses. No, you're 
you're an African team that does well come World Cup. You're a team that's supposed to be one of those top dogs that, you know, no one wants to face because you, you got physicality, you got pace, you got all that, and yet you're making excuses when you lose to a Central African Republic team, not saying you had some players. I mean, listen, Nigeria is one of those teams that has, like, a few of those players that are in Europe, a few of those players that can make an impact in and you're losing to teams like this. Obviously, it's not going to be the end of the world because it's just one qualifier game. But uh, you you just can't let down what happened here. You got to learn from it and grow. And 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 you know you got to give respect to Central African Republic. You know they they play their game. You know because they knew that Nigeria. You know when you're when you're like the smaller team face a bigger team, you got to kind of draw out the game and take advantage of your opportunity. And they did that right at the death they wanted. So you got to give credit to them. Yeah, I mean it was a really good win for them. You know I. I hadn't followed this game at all. I didn't even know that this happened, but that is a really Come outstanding on, result. Come on, Miller. That, that's that's I okay. I know, I know. That's I, why I wanted to point it out. It's like Nigeria is a is a team that always dominates, and and it's the underdog, a, a big underdog yeah. here. I wonder what the odds were for the, for that game. Yeah, it might have been crazy. But probably, probably, probably pretty. You, yeah. If you if you put the money line on Central African Republic, man, oh, big payday. Big payday. You feeding the sure. you feeding the kids for at least a month. Yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, since you don't know too much about that, we're about to hit break. But uh, Germany and Romania are uh, tying one-one right now. Really? Uh oh. See now that's something. That's that a line that I looked at. Yeah, really. Where are you yeah, gonna bet it? Yeah, but Germany was like plus like a thousand or like minus a thousand, so like I didn't bet on it. You know, probably good for your health then. <laughs> yeah, right you now. I, I, you know, I do. However, I'm monitoring this Turkey and Norway game very closely. <laughs> How's that doing? How's that going so far? Not the way I want it to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you keep us updated on that. We're going to head it to break. Coming up after the break, we're talking U.S. men's national team and their win over Jamaica uh, this past week. And we're talking a little Barcelona, and everyone's going to lay out their situation. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Dissecting the Pitch here on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Put your flags up in the sky. In the Love. Hey, 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 hey. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Dissecting the pitch here on BlazeRadioOnline.com. Gareth Kwok, Edwin Perez, Miller McKinney. we probably got to bring him back with little, little Mr. 305. Come on now. Got to like that, Edwin. I know I saw you dancing a little bit. <laughs> You know, Miller was laughing because I was singing along. I said, I told Miller I heard the song so many times, so I know this by heart. So, um, uh, also, Miller is very in tune to that turkey game. So, I know. if we ever catch a Miller lacking a little bit, I think He's it's lack. His, his Turk boys are down a little the bit. The Turks. <laughs> the Turks are going down a little bit. Yeah, he's he's keeping an, a good close eye on them. And yeah. uh, it's it's okay, well, Miller. We'll, we'll we'll let you get the best of both worlds no here. Eating nuggets side today. Eye. If turkey loses, he's eating straight up turkey to <laughs> get some anger out <laughs> oh my god let's dive in second half of our show here on this friday and uh we got to talk about one of the more the big headlines in in america here at least and far as the soccer world here in the u.s and that's the Concacaf world cup qualifying that is uh the united states trying to get back to the world cup after not qualifying in 2018 trying to make it in 2022 they got some new guys they got a new coach and so they 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 were able to come out with a victory uh 
this week over Jamaica by a final score of 2-0. It's part of this uh, three-game uh, three game set that they have uh, on, on this international break. They played Jamaica in the first game. They're going to be playing Panama on Sunday uh, at Panama. Uh, and then they're going to be playing... They're going to host Costa Rica Wednesday, October 13th. So those are going to be two more. <laughs> whoa, there are two more fun matchups <laughs> there uh, between the United States and uh, those and Panama and Costa Rica. But wanted to get your takes here because the United States so far off to a good start in the qual- in this qualifying table right now. They've played four matches. They've won two. They've drawn two. They have not lost yet. They've got eight points tied so far with El Tri, the Mexicans right now in second with also eight points. Canada and third with six points and then Panama on fourth with five and the way CONCACAF qualifiers I believe correct me if I'm wrong gentlemen but it's the top three teams I believe that make it to the World Cup and then the fourth team is sort of they play in a, in a playoff you could say so bottom line you want to be in those top three teams but United States leading with eight points 2-0 win over Jamaica the hero in that one was Ricardo Pepe who is this guy? 18 years old. He's from El Paso. He's an FC Dallas product. Shout out to Miller's boys over there. And uh, he became the youngest player in the U.S. men's national team history to score in back-to-back games and the second youngest behind only Christian Pulisic to have a multi-goal game in a World Cup qualifier. People already saying he's the next prodigy whatsoever, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. But uh, I'll start off with you, Miller. Ricardo Pepe, he's right from your backyard there. What'd you make of his performance <laughs> in the United States over Jamaica this week. Well, this is, you know, another good performance from him. Um, in the recent past, when he's been put on, he's been playing a lot in the second half. Uh, he's been brought on a lot as a substitute. So I think that um, it's kind of nice to see him getting a little bit more playing time uh, than just, you know, the last 10 minutes or so of the game. But uh, I think that. You know, he he looks like he's pretty good and 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 there's like a there's a pro and a con here I think for him and for the team. And the pro and the con that I that it's most clear to me is that without Christian Pulisic, this kid looks to be the most effective player on the team. You know, I, he's come up with clutch goals and they've won games that you know they should have won, but because he scored, not because other people are scoring. So I think that it's kind of interesting to me in a way that he's another one of sort of these players that it seems that the U.S. is relying on as of right now. Um, but I'm kind of confused as to why he is the one. Not saying he's not a good talent or he doesn't have a bright future ahead of him, but it seems like, you know, like we've talked about, like there's so many U.S. players that are young and successful and doing a lot of things for the team. And it's confusing to me why he is the player that has been come on and able to make a difference because what he's doing, it, it, it just looks like he's taking chances and they're going in, you know, he, he's doing the right things and he's getting rewarded for it. And, and I'm wondering, okay, are the other players not doing the right things? What's, what's the issue here? But all in all, I do think he has some legitimacy, legitimacy to him, but I think that, you know, obviously we have to wait and see over time what really happens. But right now I sure am glad to have him and watch him play because I think he's a phenomenal young talent right now. Absolutely. That rumor has it on the street, Miller. You don't have to confirm nor deny this. 
But each time Pepe scores, you 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 shed some tears because he's a Dallas boy like you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more of your boy than Kamavenga because neither confirm nor deny he's from your neighborhood. He, Miller sees a young Miller McKinney and Ricardo Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> he sees his reflection in the he sees his reflection in the pond. He, he said that could have been me if U.S. gave me the chance. I walked away from that dream a long time ago. You know? <laughs> No, but that, uh, that dream will continue tonight at ASU Prep Fields. Absolutely, tune in. Now, if you think Peppy's special, just watch Miller on those ASU fields. That's a dog right there. That's a straight up dog. Um, no, but uh, I think for me, it's uh, with Ricardo Peppy. I mean, I think it's it, it's an interesting case because it's, it's what Miller says. Like, what makes him so special? Because I, I myself, went to an FC Dallas game. You know, once. I saw you him on the, the uh, you know, the ones, and I saw him on the field, and I, and I hate to say it, sorry, American fans, he did not look special when I went to see him in FC Dallas, and then when he goes on the international stage, I guess he, he hits a different, he, he hits a different level, and you know that's that's with some of these players, you know, sometimes they they like to go put on their uh, their shirt and say, hey, this is who I am, this is I, I'm a special guy, and then. Obviously, you know, hate to say it to your FC Dallas, but it's not a special club. So maybe he's like, <laughs> ah, I'll save it for the U.S. Uh, team. But uh, for me, with with, uh, with you know, also being you know, talking about that young boy, that wonder boy. You know, we always talk about that with the U.S. You know, we, it, it's always like this young boy scores, and everyone's like, oh, he's the next god like he's the next messy he's the next <laughs> he's the next dude this is the guy who's gonna take us out of the u uh, this, this is gonna uh, this guy's gonna lead us not christian pulsic and all that so like and i think people need to slow down and let the man you know keep developing you know this, this guy looks good you know he looks like he's a product that can be more reliable more consistent to score but let's not label him all that and then you know vamp up the pressure he doesn't succeed and then all the US fans turn on him and then we get another Josh Sargent for example <laughs> i mean everyone was talking about Josh Sargent and their mom about how good he is that <laughs> this ginger guy is going to be this so great <laughs> and then, in their mom <laughs> yeah and now no one talks about Josh Sargent because he's doing his thing in, in the in the Bundesliga and still developing as he should be but you know he doesn't get the glances as he used to so you know, let's let this – he's still in FC Dallas, for example. You know, I'm not saying that's nothing bad with him, but, you know, obviously with these kind of American talent, we know the MLS is not a place to grow. You know, they need to grow in Europe to become more of a a, a solid product. You know, we've seen that with Kristen Pulisic, you know. When he went to Europe, he, he, he upped his level. So I think that's something also Ricardo Pepe needs to do to, you know, get him up to that level because everyone's kind of hailing Ricardo Pepe as a god now. Every time I go on Twitter and it's a U.S. game, it's a <laughs> bring on Pepe. Pepe's the god. Pepe's this and that. I'm like, all right, let's let's slow let's slow it down. I've, well, there's still a lot of great guys on uh, great great young talent on that team that need to grow as well. Let's not hub all the pressure on one kid and you know make him fail with just the pressure that they that he has. I, uh, you you can definitely make the case to temper temper the expectations a little bit. It seems like it's. This is almost like a repeat process for any any young talent in the United States and on the national team. They do they have a big game, they score a couple goals, right? Maybe even a hat trick at times and then fans get all hyped up about it. You know, maybe a little overhyped about it. Then yeah. they, then then the pressure really gets to the kid. Remember, this is a this is an 18-year-old kid. I mean, yeah. he's the dude is still you know, he's still just getting out of high school or whatever. In that case, you know, and so he just uh, had a prom the other probably, day. Probably, <laughs> probably did. He just had his senior prom. Um, so I, I think I can understand. Temper the expectations a little bit. Give him some time to develop. Let you know. Let it, it, things are not going to. Rome wasn't built in the day. As much as cliche that 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 you know that sounds, but. 
give the man some time, and maybe he'll actually produce and become a, a an actual wonder kid that people have already touted him to be just after this one or two game stint. But uh, I want to touch upon here the schedule for the U.S. because every game is a critical game here in the World Cup qualifiers, and uh, especially it, with you know right now this Concacaf it's tables a little bit crowded still very early only four matches in but definitely want to be able to separate yourself and it. It comes again, these two teams, Panama and Costa Rica. Panama on Sunday, on the road, hosting Costa Rica, I believe in Columbus, on Wednesday. What are your guys' expectations for these two? Um, I mean, again, these are teams that have given the United States trouble in the past. I Listen, for me, again, I am I'm very clear about my biasness. I am not a U.S. fan, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm very far from it, but uh, the, if if I'm looking at, through a U.S. fan perspective and looking at U.S., you got to be able to do well against these teams. Like that's just expectation-wise. Now, you know, if you if you struggle against these teams, then you're gonna struggle to qualify for World Cup. Then we're gonna repeat the same cycle. We're gonna get another Taylor Taylor Tallman rant. We're gonna get <laughs> an, another Alexi Lawless rant, and we're gonna go back to where we were. That's not what we can have, right? So if you're an American fan, these are games where you gotta show up. Maybe if you draw one, you know, whatever. As long as you look good, I think that's what needs to happen. This American team, right? I think a lot of fans expect a win no matter what, right? I think this American team needs to look good even in a draw. Where they can say, okay, this team has promise. They have, they have what it takes. They're setting themselves up well to qualify, and that's the key. You know, I think four points in these two matches is uh, what I think should be expected. Now, they if they struggle against a team like Panama, I think that's where we're going to see the issues, and that's where we're going to see that. Then we're going to see people question Pepe maybe if Pepe doesn't score. So that's that's where. <laughs> Things get really sticky with the American fan base. That one of the reasons why I don't like uh, U.S. soccer a lot. But four points in these two matches, I think, are something that should be realistic for the for that American team. I mean, I think so too. I they should be able to. Honestly, I think they should win both the games that they play. I think they win. Yeah. They should win every game they play. Personally, yeah, especially the yeah. Conquer um, but you know, obviously, that's not going to be the case. It never is. But I, I think that, you know, everybody gets so excited about futures and hypotheticals and all these kind of things, especially when they see young kids like what we just talked about. But I think that if this U.S. fan base gave it more of a one-game-at-a-time sort of attitude and even the team really took it one game at a time instead of looking ahead like I know they do, then I think they would be a lot more successful and they would be a lot more satisfied when it comes to the end of the day with the results that they get. And they would be hungrier to get the results that they don't get. So I think that a change of attitude has always been needed and still is, even if we're barely squeaking by winning these games that we're now winning, which we used to not win, um, if that makes sense. But I, I just think that, you know, especially against – Teams like Panama and Costa Rica, the way that uh, the national team has just been playing, I mean, they beat Jamaica 2-0, and I think Jamaica is better than Panama. You know, I think Jamaica is probably better than Costa Rica. But that, and then again, what is that saying? You know, it's, it's not something really to hang your hat on. So I think that, you know, we continually have to wait and see if U.S. will dominate these games that they get and then move on to a big stage where they can finally – hopefully play up to their potential, but it's one of those things where we have to take it a game at a time. I, I think for this this upcoming two games, 
a draw maybe at Panama on the road, and then a win at home versus Costa Rica, I, I think that'd be pretty good. A pretty good little three-game stretch before you you come back. All the teams, all the players return back to their club teams. I think that'd be I think that'd be a success. Of course, having the two the two wins over Panama and Costa Rica, I mean that would just be phenomenal. Yeah. But I mean, if you're talking realistically, maybe get a maybe get a good draw against Panama, then do do what you have to do at home against Costa Rica in Columbus in front of your home crowd. Get the three points. I think that'd be a success for Greg Berhalter and for that team. That's the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. And now let's let's move on here. I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to talk about this last week. I'm sorry. I had to be put on timeout because of the red card. Yep. Uh, I had to be taught a lesson out there. <laughs> Coach wasn't too happy. Uh, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Barcelona's financial situation. And I know Edwin has been wanting to talk about this for a little bit because it's it's there, there have been some some details that have come up the last couple of days and in the past week that have kind of been – Raising some eyebrows, been alarming, you could say. Right now, the team just one win in their last six matches. They lost to Atletico. They lost their Champions League, their last Champions League match against Benfica. And so, right now, everybody's coming at Ronald Koeman's throat. Just, I mean, rightfully so. Although President Joan Laporta, he's insistent on keeping Ronald Koeman to the surprise of many. He said last week, "Quote." Ronald Coleman will continue as Barca coach. We feel he deserves a certain amount of confidence for many reasons. He's a Barca fan, a reference for the supporters. He will continue and deserve some confidence. Coleman loves Barca and decided to come at a really difficult moment for the club, institutionally and sportingly. After speaking with him, I see he has faith in the team, above all when he gets the injured players back. He has a contract until the summer, and we hope to get back to winning ways and playing well. I'm sure he will do everything possible. End quotes. So... When you just hear about that, I think that that was sort of the the headlining news from last week after the two, you know, the two inexcusable performances. That okay, nails in the coffin, he's done. Joan Laporta says no, we're going to keep him on for a little bit. Yeah. What, see, yeah. what what what's what's <laughs> what's going through your head, Edwin? <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, right? I know we might talk about the financial situation. That's not even the issue for me, right? I mean, obviously they're in a big debt, you know. But somehow they they said they're going to have money to sign people in January, and supposedly they are. So, like, I don't even know what to read into that financial situation. So I don't know what to say on that end. But I can speak on the Ronald Koeman end for sure. And it's just me and Miller, uh, me and Miller Jerry kind of discussed it last week, so I won't go say the same thing I did last week. But he just got to go. I mean, he just hasn't had the bi- bi- uh, results in big games. Players are kind of turning away from him. He, he, he has the ego where he doesn't want to play some of the young stars like Ricky Poog. Uh, and it, he doesn't give him a chance. And then the issue is when he does give him like five to ten minutes that he does, he, he does well and then sits him back down. So you can't do that as a manager as Barcelona, especially in this situation. I get Ronald Koeman, you want to win and everything like that. And there should be expectation to, to perform better and do better. But Barcelona are at the point where they need to rely on youth. They need to rely on the youngsters and have them grow and build that identity. And also Barcelona is at the point where they need their own team identity. And now – and they need to play different and go back to what made Barca special, the tiki-taka, the, their special, unique Barcelona way to play. I mean, that's what made Barcelona such a hard team to play because, you know, facing a, you know, a Man United team is different than facing a Barcelona team because their philosophy is worlds apart. But obviously now Barcelona is a team that plays a 3-5-2 that's not that special, easy to break down, and, and it, it, it's, just, it's just ugly football. You know, it's a team where even Celta Vigo can go in there confidently and probably beat Barcelona right now. And that's not something you want as a, as a Barcelona a club as big as Barcelona. 
if you're going to change this up, it's time to bring in Xavi. I, I mean, I know people are, oh, he goes, he coaches the Qatar team and everything like that. But, I mean, even look at that Qatar team. They play better, for, beautiful football more than Barcelona can right now. He, they play Barcelona better than Barcelona can play right now. So it's like you you got to point a guy who understands Barcelona. He understands what it what it takes to play the youth. He knows what it takes to take Barcelona out of that because he was a player in that situation when Barcelona had to become a top dog. So you need to bring in a guy like that who's Barcelona blood, uh, Barcelona blood not a – I know Koeman has that, but he's just a Dutch kind of guy. You know, he it's like – they, they rumored to bring in Roberto Martinez. That's literally just having a Ronald Koeman 2.0. You know, that's it's playing the same style of football that doesn't work at Barcelona if we've seen it. You know, we every week we talk about Barcelona losing and everything like that because it's boring football that Ronald Koeman brings out. So for me, you know, to kind of stop my rant, I think Laporta needs to realize the board supports Xavi. A lot of players support Xavi. I mean, Messi wanted Xavi in the club too. So you have all that. And yet you're still going with the guy who can get your results in both Champions League and the league, you know? And that's the biggest issue for Barcelona is they're not getting even results in the league, as I told these guys last week. And if they were competing in the league, fair enough. You know, Champions League's not their objective, but they can't even get results in the Spanish league. So it's time to make some changes. And, you know, obviously that includes financial stuff and all that, but this starts at where the head is at, which is Ronald Koeman. I think a very unique aspect of this is that you can look at the team, and it teaches you one thing this year, and that thing is that it's hard to win. Yeah, It's hard to be successful. And a lot of fans and a lot of casual viewers will take that for granted, especially with big teams like this. And over this season, you've really seen that, you know, even though Barcelona does have the talent, like not the talent, but talent, and, you know, they have a renowned coach. They have all of these, you know, youth players. They have all the facilities. You know, they used to have all the money, which they don't know. But they have all of these things that other teams don't have, and they're incapable of winning games. And it's so surprising, and it's so mesmerizing to, to just wonder what really goes on behind the closed doors and that they're not able to win games. I mean... There's teams out there that are far, far, you know, less than what Barcelona is right now that don't have any problem winning games. And so it's just an eye-opener to really see how this has set back a club that's been so historically great. Um, but I have a little nugget for you, Gareth. I'm sure, Ed, when you already know this, you <laughs> oh, might not. Oh, a good nugget. Oh, boy. You probably already do, but... I had, I think a congratulations is in order that uh, 18-year-old Pedri has made the Balloon d'Or list. Yeah. Hey, the, there we go. nominees, and 18-year-old has made that list. I think nuts. that's something to be happy that's about. A big, that's a big deal. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. I that's, think it's underrated, and that's why I think he's going to win the Golden Boy, you know? Yeah, I uh, think so, too. I think, I think it's just crazy. He should. I mean, that's that's the thing about Barcelona is they have such good young talent, you know? Yeah. We, they have Pedro. They have Ansu Fati. They have Gavi. Yet they can't. They go to the Spanish League, and they don't play any of them. And look at, look at what happens, you know? Like, as much as I like, love Sergio uh, Busquets, it's time to look for his replacement. As much as I love PK, time to play some of the youth defenders. Like, they need to realize this is where they're headed, you know? They need to build around Ansu Fati Pedri and let them develop rather than watching a 
I mean, for example, Martin Brethway when he's back, you know, what what are you doing playing him now? Like, let's be honest. <laughs> so I got a quick question for yeah. you because there was some news over the week as well um, oh. that a certain English player said he'd be open to joining Barcelona this summer, and Our. I just want to ask you how you feel about that. Raheem the Dream. Raheem the Dream Sterling <laughs> really? said that he would be open to a move to Barcelona, and I'm wondering <laughs> how a fan like you feels about that at a time like this. No, I mean, okay, <laughs> if it's for me, <laughs> if it's for free, fair enough. But like, he's he he, gonna be wanting that bag. Yeah, yeah, the reason is he wants the bag, and he says he's going to Barcelona to be the main star. Listen, you're not that Raheem. <laughs> you're not. If you're coming to be that, I'm sorry. Get it. Get behind the line of a Pedri. Uh, Ansu Fati, who are the young stars that everyone loves. You're not going to be here to become the number one. Ask Sergio Aguero how that's going to. I mean, I know he's injured, but he knows he wasn't the number one. He came here to be behind Messi, but then now he realize, oh, he wants to be the number one. But that's not that's not the case. It's all about the youth and things like that. I'm more excited to bring in someone like Danny Olmo, a young that would a, be dirty, a young guy <laughs> who you know he he can perform well and he has Barcelona blood. That makes sense more than bringing in a Raheem the Dream. You know, let Raheem go to Newcastle. You know where they got all the finances in their in their mom. Would you the, the whole Saudi Arabia <laughs> is basically financing <laughs> <laughs> financing Raheem. That, that's fair, you know. The entire nation of Saudi Arabia yeah. is now Newcastle. <laughs> Big Newcastle fans. They're gonna have a lot of jerseys over there. Be- but you, you better invest in that in that Newcastle team, man. I mean, oh my goodness, that deal is, that we saw over the news, right? Yeah, I mean, is it really three hundred billion? They, they that's what they're worth. The, the people, yeah, the people that bought the owners. Uh, that rich. that bought, you know, Newcastle United are estimated to have an approximate value over three hundred billion dollars, <laughs> and the next closest in the Premier League is um, Man City. Man City. Is Man City, and I forget what his name is. Um, I saw the all. It doesn't matter, with him. Yeah, you know, know. But he's twenty three billion dollars, uh, so I guess it does matter a little bit, <laughs> but like not to the Saudi Arabians, you know. But, so. yeah, the funny thing is, like you say, it doesn't matter when it's twenty three billion. That just shows you the state of right, the Newcastle like, team. Yeah. I mean, we might have to talk about that next week because yeah, obviously we'll we're wrapping to talk up. About but that. like, it's just crazy that like I hypothetically I joke with Miller, they could bid three hundred million for killing Mape and it wouldn't hurt them. Right, that's like a penny for them. Yeah, that's like a penny for them. <laughs> that's literally, yeah, that's like like less than ten percent of like what they have, you know. And like the hey, jersey man. sales they would get in return too, and all well, that. Well, it's like, crazy because yeah. you, you look at teams like Chelsea and United, and combined they almost have ten billion. Yeah, you know yeah. that's yeah. Chelsea and United, two of yeah. the biggest, most historical clubs in the world, and you know they're so far behind, and so it just makes you wonder what what's really going to happen <laughs> when this Newcastle ownership does take over. Well, that's a great. T- I think that we'll definitely pick up on that for next week, Newcastle, and that the whole implications that'll have for them and for the league and for I think for soccer in general. We got five minutes left though here, perfect amount of time to get into our weekend picks. We got some interesting ones. We got Miller time. We have. Edwin's picks as well. Miller, I'll start off with you if you've got yourself ready here. Uh, you can also give us an update on how Turkey's doing right now. Oh, Turkey tied 1-1. <laughs> okay. He's down. He's, he's down. He's down. You have them to win, right? I had them to win. Oh. Oh, man. So well, what do you got for this weekend? I know we got some We got some international picks, I think, right? Absolutely. That's all, that's all we've got here. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so... Mm-hmm. 
We got a big pick Saturday morning. Uh, just to let you guys know, the way I'm doing it in internationals is I don't really like to pick the heavy favorites. You know, obviously the France and the okay. and teams like that that yeah. play because you know obviously their money line they're they're hugely favored and there's no point to bet on those games. So we're gonna go a little bit closer to the grain, but still safe picks. Um, Sweden is playing Kosovo on Saturday at 9 o'clock Ooh, Arizona time. So okay. we are banging Sweden. Sweden money line. Okay. Let's go. Some white boys are doing yeah. different. Sweden, Sweden is going to turn up in this game. Where's Lotso when you need him? I'm praying for the Kosovo drawdown. Knowing me is probably what will happen. Um, I'm cutting up this soundbite just so we can play it next week once Kosovo gets that draw. <laughs> um, Denmark is playing Moldova. Okay. Big fan of Denmark in that game. Uh, okay. And are we are then, we are we hitting that money line on the Denmark? Yeah, we might be parlaying the two. Okay. Um, all right. All right. And the, the last game that I have that is one I'm not. You look a little uncertain about it. Yeah, see, he's not as confident as I am with my picks. <laughs> I just, you know, it's one of those games where it's the middle European teams that when they play each other, you really just don't know what happens. But Croatia is playing Slovakia on okay. Monday at 11.45. All right. quarter to noon. And, you know, a lot of people would tell you Croatia is the team to bet on in this game. However... Oh, those middle European teams when they play each other, it just it's it's something else, man. So I'm I'm gonna take a draw in that game. Ooh, all right. So we'll see how that one goes. Wow, Croatia, Slovakia, go. draw. That those that must be a good payday if you can hit on that. Time time to make uh -oh. Garrett mad. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. What so, do we got here? You know, I'm going with the I know you're going to be pissed off with this, but, you know, we like to include, you know, all international sports here. All of them. All of them. And, <laughs> uh -oh. you know, we got a big fan of this show named Harrison Klopp. And, you know, I'm a big fan of his, too. So I feel like, I know we typically give you soccer bets, but we're here for oh. boxing this weekend, oh. baby. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the boxing what? show they got. I recommend to check it out. Anarchy. Miller's the producer over there, so I'm changing nice. it up on my boy Garrett. Oh, no. Um, I got the Tyson Fury and Deontay <laughs> Wilder fight going the distance. I don't see no knockout going. It's going to go the distance. Now, whoever you want to bet. Why am I even typing this? There's there's no point in typing yeah, there this. Is a, there is a reason <laughs> to I'm type this. There is, a there is a reason to type this because no. you, you want to check back because I'm going to be right about all this oh my uh, god berlanga he's fighting in the underguard against marcelo this Espan isn't on the ropes Goceras. yeah well too bad <laughs> <laughs> i got berlanga getting a knockout in the uh, for, uh, one first to seventh round you know in between that and then the you know i gotta do another fight in the undercard i'm gonna go uh, i'm gonna go off name bases alone here okay <laughs> i'm gonna go jared anderson beating vladimir tarakshin <laughs> I just think, I think uh, you just bet that, man. I love the Jared. You can feel it. I can feel it coming. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just did that for the, for your picks. I mean, hey, Khabib did visit United over the last week. You <laughs> that know? is true. Did, yeah. did you see that stare down between Khabib and Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah. It is, Ronaldo's too tall for that. I know, you know? I know. He, he makes Khabib's just looking up at yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> Habib's up to his chest. <laughs> uh, you love to see that game respects game, you know? Absolutely. I do. I Absolutely. respect the Klopp show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of Dissecting the Pitch. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you listen in next week, Friday, 1 p.m. We got the gang back. 
back. But uh, that's going to do it for us here today. For my co-hosts, Edwin Perez and Miller McKinney, I'm Gareth Kwok saying so long, and we will see you all next time. Have a great weekend.